It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Joe is back. He's no longer working graveyards. We're no, back Jake is together back. again. Yes, true. I'm also back. We're both back. How does that work? Anyway, today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Go take a trip. I think Joe talked to you about this a little bit yesterday, talking about how he's got kids and he needs a vacation. And sometimes when you take a vacation with kids, then you need a vacation. Whatever you do, go take a vacation and book it on Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. As always, you can also find our show on the new Himalaya podcasting app. It is a great way to get a curated list of podcasts made just for you and find really every podcast that you could possibly want. Also available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So, Joe... Today we have some OTA stuff to talk about, and we have Carson Palmer to talk about. And I guess we should talk briefly about the Gerald McCoy signing first. He, of course, right. lands in Carolina for, I think it was up to $10.5 million or something. It was initially reported at $8.5 million. Yep, it was. Yep. Yeah, it looks like there's got to be a lot of incentives in that one, and uh, that makes sense. He, he wanted... To stay in the South, if they, all reports afterwards are that yeah. he wanted to stay in the South, and he liked being in the division, playing against the Bucks twice a year. So they had to sweeten the pot of some sort because it sounded like there was more money on the table, especially in Cleveland. And uh, the way to do that is for incentives for Gerald McCoy, and it sounds like that's how the Panthers got close enough to get him. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy actually that he took less money, but he there was also reports that he didn't like the cities much, Cleveland and Baltimore, and. That fits the, I don't know, stereotype of those cities? I guess. If it was true that he definitely wanted to be in the South, that's just, you know, it's just different there. It's gonna You're going to deal with more snow and different weather in different types of cities. Yeah. One other the, thing, Jacob. The Browns if, sure did think they were going to get him, though. The way they, they were did, talking, the, like text, the texts that were reported after he signed elsewhere, like that dude was supposed to be here, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't mean to cut you off there, but there was one other tiny little thing I just want to bring up too. If you go to Good Morning Football, their uh, Twitter page, GMFB, they were doing uh, rankings or polls for the best running back in the league last week. This year it's receiver, and A.J. Green made it to the second round. He's going against Michael Thomas of the Saints right now. Thomas was a three seed. A.J. Green was the number six seed. Um, right now the voting is 75% for Michael Thomas. So if you think A.J. Green's better than him, Make sure you go vote for that. I think that should be close. 
Should and be. I think that if their quarterbacks were reversed, it wouldn't be close. Agreed. But I also Michael Thomas is difference. much younger. Thomas is really good. I mean, if he's you want to really say he's a good. top five receiver and Green's not, I'm not even mad. Honestly, if this goes uh, for Thomas, I'm not mad about it. I just think it should be 60-40 if it does go that way. And right now, 75-25 is a um, – yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely the difference of the quarterbacks in my opinion. Well, and nationally, I think a lot of the people voting are probably fantasy football players. And sure. a lot of those people are let down. The Green hasn't finished seasons for a couple of years. Evan talked about that. Uh, he, th- he, it's interesting. AJ Green right now is a fantasy bargain, third round available wide receiver. And as Evan points out, it's more likely that he'll play at least fourteen games and he'll miss a significant amount of time again. Right. He, he's had some injuries lately, though. So I mean, I think that that is definitely coloring the perspective of national fans, who for the most part are only paying t- attention to the Bengals for fantasy football reasons. And there, but then there's a lot of good players on fantasy football radar. So I, I do think, uh, you know, just because one is, I'm, this isn't a slight on Dalton. And when I say it's a quarterback, it's just that one is Drew Brees. One of the best to ever do it. Right. One of the best to ever do it in Cincinnati was Carson Palmer. And Carson Palmer today learned that he was going to be joining the Arizona Ring of Honor. He spent a few seasons out there. Of course, they had a playoff run or two with Palmer out in Arizona, but the comment he made stings. And and there's a certain amount of Bengals fans that are like, you know what, screw that guy. He he quote unquote quit on the team. And you know, if if he's saying that about Arizona, he's turning his back on Cincinnati fans. I don't take it that way at all. What was the comment? He wishes it happened sooner. He wishes that he had gotten there sooner. He spent time in Cincinnati and then Oakland before he made his way to Arizona. Carson spent the last five years of his career in Arizona. He went 10-6 and six his first year there. And then in 2015, went 13-3 with the Cardinals, leading the league in yards per attempt, yards per completion, total QBR, and several of the advanced uh, adjusted yard stats. It was an MVP type season. It was. He was great. And that year, they went to the playoffs, of course. They were... The first seed, were they the first yeah. seed overall? They had a bye and then they beat the Panthers and then lost in the championship game. Or they lost the other to way the around. They, they, yes. yeah, they beat the Packers and then got crushed, yep. absolutely crushed by the Panthers. Yeah, I think four interceptions for Palmer. Yeah, not good. Notable assistance in that game. Guess who the quarterback's coach was? It's Zach Taylor. I don't know. Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens, amazing. How about that? There's a connection. Of some sort. That was so Bruce, six. that was a Bruce Arians team. Harold Goodwin was the offensive coordinator. He's where did he go? He's disappeared. And the defensive coordinator, J- James Betcher, still in the league. Something. Okay. Is he a coach? No. No. He is but, uh, the defensive coordinator in New York. Sixty games for the Cardinals. Sixty. That's it. Ninety-seven for the Bengals. If you're wondering. And I think a lot of the talk was five years, huh? And he, he's in their ring of honor. First of all, they have a ring of honor, right? Number one. Number two, um, I mean, he's played two-thirds of the games he played in Cincinnati. And it's amazing that he's thought of that that well to, to go there like that, to go on and be enshrined, I guess, um, for the Cardinals. I mean, it's not like they had a ton of players to go into a ring of honor. 
in Arizona history, there's a pretty limited list. The Arizona Cardinals are not a storied franchise. Still, you have to have a, a certain threshold, right, to pass oh, sure. to to believe that a guy is worthy of of going on it. And yeah, if I mean, you look he, at like, he had, like you said, he had an MVP like season out there, thirteen and three, first seed in the NFC, won a playoff game, lost in the NFC Championship. Uh, he, and he, if you I, look, Cardinals fans weren't even debating it. They're like, oh, okay, great, yeah. And why would you debate it? And and Cincinnati fans are so sour on Palmer because, like like we saw on Twitter today, there's like 50% of the fan contingent that will never forgive him. Then right. there's people like me who think he was speaking for us. He was speaking out against an ownership group that didn't know how to win in the NFL, and he yep. knew what other teams did differently and wanted changes. When he didn't get those changes, yeah, he said, you know what, I'm out. And I think... Yeah, that to some extent is quitting on the city, but that's an owner that quit on your city years ago, maybe before, maybe he he never never started for your city, and and you know you didn't quit on the team, so you've been loyal to the team, so you want the players to be loyal to the team. But whenever somebody gets mad at a player for opposing an owner, I think that that generally tends to be misguided because of just how skewed that power dynamic is. Yeah. And I will, I'll say I agree with you, and I am on the side of I think Carson Palmer was right and everything he said. He was right, and he still is right. Um, but our hope, and our hope still remains this way, Jake. I think we both feel this way. If the Bengals had the first pick and drafted a quarterback that we felt was like an MVP difference-making, could be an elite quarterback, all of our hopes of ever winning a Super Bowl would be riding on his shoulders to yeah. overcome this inept franchise. Right. So I think there was a lot of fans who were like, Carson, you are our hope. You're our chance. We have a chance to actually do something because of you. We know this franchise is a joke, but with you, we have a chance. And then when he said, not even I can pull us out of it, guys, I'm out of here. It was like, damn, now we're left with this this owner in this franchise again and just them. And I think that's the heartbreak of it. Yeah, I get it. There's a lot of heartbreak, but I, it's and there will always be individuals that have opinions but the way the city started to treat Palmer toward the end of his time in Cincinnati was awful the way that the Bengals ownership has treated Bengals fans over the years through the 90s until Palmer came along was pretty awful and then they got Carson and things turned around the ownership yeah. and the fan base owns owes a great deal to Carson Palmer and for, for any of the success the Bengals have had in the last, what, 17 years, all of Marvin Lewis's tenure. They were considering keeping Bob Brakowski in 2011, guys. They remember that? They they let him go and, and sign Jay Gruden, which was kind of seemed like an unknown at the time. But that Jay Gruden then going to Andy Dalton propelled them from 2011 to 2015 when they had that run. And I know Hugh Jackson finished it. But without a good hire of Jay Gruden right there, it – probably doesn't get off the ground the way we thought it does and and other things and upgrading the the, the workout area and other other amenities that he was asking for and, he, and someone asked me can you remind me what happened there and it was Carson was like hey uh, we gotta basically we gotta get rid of Bob Rakowski we gotta fire Marvin Lewis we gotta sign free agents we gotta upgrade this facility we gotta become a first class organization if this is gonna work and that wasn't the first time Carson's asked for that he's asked for he he from what I understand, he asked for things throughout his career and, and all, well, was always saying, listen, uh, you know, the guys are, are saying this or we don't have this. this. This is what's going on. He was always the guy to go up to Mike Brown because Mike Brown loved him and, and would listen to him. And I, from what I understand, even like Lavernius Cole signings, Antonio Brown type or, or Bryant um, signings were because Carson was like, hey, we need help. We need to go out and get this guy. And those backfired. Right. So 
it wasn't a good look for him in that way, but that could have happened to any organization signing guys that are a little bit older or had injury histories. So it it didn't work out in that way. So when he asked for it again and said we need it again and, and he was really shot down that last time, he said, I'm out of here then. I'm not going to play. I've got $80 million, I believe was the quote. I'll never step step foot in Paul Brown Stadium again. And um, he wasn't wrong. They still need all those things. Yeah. How it many years later until right? they actually let go of Marvin Lewis? This this goes back to the conversation that I have with Evan Silva about this organization and loyalty. And he he talked about the he talked about it as prioritizing winning. I talk about it as maybe they just they don't know how to do it properly. But there's something to the argument that they're very loyal and their loyalty tends to go to the wrong people and as a result they they don't tend to make those movements forward instead of here's the crystalline plan here is something that is cohesive well no instead of that we're just going to keep going marvin lewis we're going to we're going to hope that it works out we're going to hope we stay healthy again and it's a mom and pop mentality it is like and, if, and it, you think the business is working because the guy that your manager is giving you decent profits but if you went out and brought in somebody else, you might make even more. And But not knowing that or having those resources or having that information limits you. And, and I still argue with Evan about whether it's, you know, a, a deprioritization or an incompetence or, a sure. poor, or, or you know, what, yeah. whatever you want to call it, not knowing how to do it. Uh, I, I think what you hope is that with Katie and Troy taking over – Right. And with Duke Tobin getting his guy reportedly and Zach Taylor, you hope those three now, if they're running the show, that that, that means that there's a potential for change here. Now, yeah. a lot of things do seem like business as usual for the Bengals, but I think we'll have to give it a couple of years at least, right, with a new yeah. coach? It's, it's not rolling the same dice again, right? It's rolling a new set. So there's new possibilities again when you do this, when you are allowing other people to make decisions and plan for the organization. So I think for the first time in a long time, we have a new set of dice that we feel you know are unlimited or at least <laughs> not as not as limited as before. Because you, you felt like – you felt like this one in the beginning of Marvin Lewis era and the Carson Palmer draft, and even Andy Dalton in 2011 when they kind of hit the uh, soft reset. Uh, you felt uh, every time like, okay, maybe they could do something again. And every time they rolled that die every every year, you, you kind of, well, that's you got a one through a six and that's it. And maybe it's a one through a three. That's all. You know what I'm saying? So now you feel like you have something that could actually be um, more than you dreamt of. All you got to do is roll double sixes once. That's it. And I think this leads to the next part of the conversation, though, Jake. Well, we'll um, get there. Well, As the, always, we have to take breaks, Joe. No, come yeah, on. I know. It's brutal, right? It's, it's terrible. It's they pay the we bills, have to though. leave these poor people to listen to advertisements instead of us talking about the Bengals. I'm sure they'll come back. Whatever we talk about. I hope they come back. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by Grip6. Joe, do you have your Grip6 belt yet? I don't. Uh, someone, uh, someone asked me if which one i would like another person uh, was wondering what the code was on twitter so i think people are buying them oh there you go i, I mean a lot of our co-hosts on the lockdown network are wearing grip six belts they help they all have good things to say and i'm looking forward to your review uh hopefully we get that after father's day but until then oh, i'm gonna buy I'm myself gonna take one. a normal commercial break we'll be right back if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We are currently still talking about Carson Palmer being inducted into the Arizona Cardinals ring of honor. And now that we laid out basically what's happened, looked at his career, and uh, it's been a it's been a fine career. I think ring of honor is definitely for those guys. Now you're going to put all your Hall of Famers in there, right? But uh, there's a lot of teams that put notable or players that they were built around that they saw some team success with. And I think Carson Palmer definitely fits into that category. Now, if the Bengals had one, I think that's where it transitions to. I start to wonder if if the Bengals even had a ring of honor, who would be on it? What would be that criteria? Someone asked us this. We can probably devote a whole show to that down the line if it's not this week or then next week. Um, But And if it didn't end the way it did, and even if it did, is there a way to make amends? Uh, I think his, his... 97 games warrant being on the Bengals ring of honor. I think bringing them out of the dark ages that were the nineties would qualify him. I think it would be one of those things where it would be like if the Bengals ever had a new owner, which is probably what it would take Mm. to get a ring of honor in the first place. That's when he goes in, right? Somebody where there's not bad blood. And I think there's bad blood between the Brown family and Carson Palmer. What about the Blackburns? Well, I mean, it's the same family. Sure. But I wonder if it's any, different if there's any um you know different feeling towards it yes uh, do you remember he he did the uh a football life did, did he talk yeah. about whether he had been invited back or had any contact with the bengals i think I he and marvin probably that. kept in touch but i yeah i i really wonder carson i know you listen to the lockdown bengals podcast definitely come join the show for an exclusive interview we would love to talk to you that'd be something huh? happened in cincinnati man That'd be something. So you I, need hear, to think I hear I'm a good deserve. Sorry. Yeah, you are, Jake. You are a great interviewer. That's a, that was one of the comments. Anyways, do you think he would? Uh, he's warrant his play. His his what was it nine years? It, it warrants um, ring of honor, right? For the Bengals, seven years, right? Seven years. I, I think it does, and I don't think there's really a question about it. You can say that they went four and twelve in his last year, and things went to shit, but. Well, I think some fans did question it. If you look at the comments. He brought them out of the Dark Ages. He, in 2005, everyone still to this day says if he didn't go down, that was their year. You can make an argument that they were really good. Well, they weren't really good besides that year. I guess 2009 was the other year they went to the playoffs, but I don't think anyone was really afraid of them that year. But then 06... He said himself he didn't feel right until about week nine against the Chargers. He still, he still had a really good year, and he went to the Pro Bowl that year. He was Pro Bowl MVP. Uh, things may have went differently. And if you remember, I think the following year, was it 07? had to be. 
was when they had all those botched snaps and, and messed up all those plays on the, at the end of the season uh, where they missed a field goal in Denver. They just I think they yeah. dropped their last three games, I think yeah. it was, and then San Antonio Holmes uh, over the middle went all the way and ended their season right there, if you remember it. So they had a lot of weird instances. No, that wasn't 2000. That couldn't have been 2007. 2007, they started out poorly. They they were one in four, and then they finished the season pretty strong, in in some meaningless games. Okay. So, so was that 08 then? Let's see. No, because 08, 08 he, only, he, he no, missed. He, yeah. yeah, he missed all that time. So that had to be in 06 then. Yeah, it was 2006. They were eight and five, and then yep. lost three straight games. Yep. Uh, let's see. They got crushed by the Colts, the Denver game. They lost by one, and then right, Santonio San Holmes. And they really had some lackluster drafts in between there, plus missing a chunk of that 05 draft when David Pollock and Odell Thurman went down and Chris Henry in and out of the lineup. It's it was really, really the era of what could have been. Yeah, yeah. Because they weren't all of the Bengals' history, to be yes. honest. You never felt like they maximized either the cap or the roster or the, the opportunity. If if you had the 2004 roster with the current management and they went back in time, it'd be interesting to see if things would go differently. I mean, at the time, they were considered forward-thinking, and I don't mean like analytic type. I mean, their offense was the what you want. With Bob, Bob Krakowski out there, three wide receivers, a lot of option routes and stuff, keeping guys on the left and right side. You didn't move them. It was the Colts offense is what they were mimicking. And... um it worked. It was successful until things needed to change and they stuck with their guys for too long. And that's the story of where we're at right now with the current group. And it's, it's been a long story of conservatism from the Bengals yeah. ownership and the Bengals coaching staff for so long it was let's change as little as possible to try to reproduce results. And, and the NFL, of course, is an evolving beast. And the Bengals, for the most part, have been behind that uh, behind that edge. I think Hugh Jackson, offensive coordinator that year, was a bit of an exception. And yep. they're been very few other examples i would say i would agree i think uh for the most part they're typically behind and when they do think they and it's not to say that they haven't had some success of seeing oh this is the coming and we're gonna you know we're gonna be this type of offense or defense and i think they did that with mike zimmer a lot of teams mimic what they did with zimmer and the bengals defense uh but point being is they they're like oh we got something let's nail it into the ground and stick to it as hard as possible yeah, and never let it go for dear life right. and it's, hope it takes us somewhere grip as, as tight as possible yeah, we don't white knuckle lose that it. thing right until it's you do that and you squish it and you kill it you pet the rabbit until you snap its neck and then um and then other teams pass you by yep yep pretty pretty grim? pretty grim all right <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, ota stuff today yeah we can, we can go to ota's uh, right. Let's see. Is there anything else I wanted to say about Carson Palmer? Come on the show, Carson. That's it. That's one. Uh, I wish things had gone differently. That's oh, yeah. two. Uh, I also wish he would have gotten out of Cincinnati earlier. If you can't avoid that ending, right? If that was always inevitable. Yeah, don't sign uh, a second contract. Or right. Well, you know what? They got, they got a great return on that trade. It's true. They did. I'm just thinking for his sake. I, as... It's not even being a Bengals fan. It's more of a football fan and a draft guy and a player evaluation. Carson Palmer, for another organization, uh, I read something a few years ago. It was like the, he's the biggest what if 
of this generation of football. And, and I can't remember who wrote it. It might have been The Ringer. Um, and they were just laying out like who he was as a prospect, how everyone unanimously loved him, and his potential ability, the injuries he had, the issues in Cincinnati, then going to Oakland, and then and then um, Al Davis dying like to get him there. You know, it, I don't mean that could sound two different ways. He died, and then Hugh Jackson traded for him is what I meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that was a, a shit show completely. Like, everyone got fired there. And then to go to Arizona, and Arizona basically gave up nothing for him and gave him a, a prove-it-type deal, and they had chances, and he got hurt in Arizona too. So it just – it's amazing. His career his, could have went a lot of different ways. His first three years in Arizona, they were twenty nine and nine. Yeah, they're good. Ten and six, six and zero oh before he and he tore another ACL, right? And then yeah. thirteen and three. Yeah, and I believe that's how his career ended. Also, he heard it again. He he had three. He had two more seasons, and yeah, his last season was cut short. I don't remember the specific injury. I thought that was again his knee, and then he was like, "All right, that's it." I mean, you do it three times. That's got to be a sign, right? Yeah. Remember the story that um, he got his ligament originally, or a few of his ligaments don't is it donated? I guess you know is uh, part of you know yeah. when you have when you organ donation. Yeah. Yep. Um, but he put, I believe he want he put that that family through college, the the kids through college. Yeah, I remember the story about the first one. The, the, he had a connection with that family. Yeah. And I'm, that's why I'm trying to remember the story, and I, I believe that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, th- there's a good point there that it's the biggest what if. If he had never torn his ACL the first time. I know. Man. Th- but that's the whole Bengals, right? Like the, the 49ers Super Bowls, the, the, the Greg Cook, the Kajana Carters, the what if? Carson Palmers, the Andy Dalton in 2015. I mean... Yeah. Now, a lot of a lot of a lot of franchises have that, I think, but Cincinnati fans really just get put through it with with all their teams. I agree. Well, let's talk about something more positive, and we're going to take another break here, and then we'll come back and talk some more about OTAs. Uh, Jermaine Pratt's back at practice. That's fun. Yay! Right. So we'll talk about that and more after a quick break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. We are talking a little bit of OTAs today as it was open for the media. We got a lot of news, notes, and updates to the long injury report or guys on the rehab field. Right, Jake? Um, Joe Mixon. He's back. But there was a couple other guys out that weren't there, I should say. John Ross and Cordy Glenn. Looks like Trey Hopkins replaced Cordy Glenn at left guard. And in John Ross's replace, Alex Erickson made a lot of plays per Jay Morrison of The Athletic. According to Jay Morrison, all he does is make plays. Also out today was Christian Westerman with an unknown injury. Clint Bowling still out. Jermaine Pratt came back. Uh, he was out last week apparently with a hamstring strain and remains the only unsigned Bengals draft pick. So I originally, my, my first reaction was, oh no, why is Trey Hopkins getting the first reps at left guard? And now seeing that Christian Westerman and Clint right. Bowling were both also hurt, well, there's no one else to do it at that point. Right. Redmond's still in the rehab field, so yeah, it makes sense. It wasn't Michael Jordan, I guess, so that's a good thing that it's um, Hopkins getting that run. I mean, you'd have to think it would be after the money they gave him, the second-round tender. He better be, right, coming off that bench. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sounds like the defense won today. The focus of the day, according to Cat Terrell, I believe, was two-minute offense. Yep, that's right, no huddle offense also. No huddle, right, yep, both of those things. Um, Jesse Bates had an interception, jumped a, I believe, Tyler, uh, Tyler, Tyler Boyd slant. Yeah, in Dalton the red it. zone, Dalton threw the There's pick. Good pictures on Twitter of that particular play, and yep. you see everyone smiling. And, and Carlos Dunlap, you know, he's got a hand in the air. He must have had an, an effect on it. But uh, speaking of interceptions and, and quarterback play, Jay Morrison also noted that uh, Jeff Driscoll and Ryan Finley went one for five, only completing a screen pass. In the first round of 11 on 11, uh, rookie Jordan Brown, seventh round pick, had a near pick, but ended up being a pass breakup of Finley. Uh, next bad snap, overthrow by Finley, hits Brown right in the hands for an easy pick, but dropped. Yeah, so we got the a couple bad things there, right? We got bad quarterbacking and the recurring theme of dropped interceptions from last yes. year. On the plus side, the seventh round pick is, is flashing in practice. And the guy Jeff Hobson mentioned... The receiver Jeff Hobson mentioned, I think, Hunter Sharp, right? Week, Hunter Sharp uh, stood out, and and Zach Taylor was interviewed after practice, and he was asked, "Is anybody standing out?" And instead of getting the usual coach speak, as I don't remember who it was that pointed it out, cat was a cat, yeah. Instead yeah. of the usual coach speak, he pointed out Hunter Sharp and B.W. Webb, and if you listen to what Zach Taylor said, he's calling them out specifically, and I mean that in a good way. For their communication, he's not, he's not even saying necessarily that they played great or whatever. I mean, maybe they maybe they did too, but attention to detail, helping guys get lined up right when they didn't know the call, that is nice to see. And he mentioned, of course, that BW Webb has the experience under Lou Anarumo, is probably familiar with some of the languages come over from the New York Giants, for sure, and knows some of that scheme a little bit better than others, but. For for undrafted free agent uh, rookie wide receiver Hunter Sharp, that's pretty impressive. And he's the one wearing 11, right? So I, the people that uh, say John Ross is switching to 11 just waiting for that guy to be cut, well, you may be waiting longer. 
Well, we'll just need to uh, pay him for it. Yeah, I mean, sure. I don't know. No, you're undrafted, and you're making, and you're getting um, praise from the coach. You're not switching anything. You no, no amount of money is going to get me to to ruin that good luck. Well, unless it's not luck, and you're not superstitious, and you're just busting your ass because he is. It's all luck. It's all luck. Football's all luck. You heard it here first, folks. No need to listen to podcasts the rest of the year or watch the season, really. Just roll some dice. You know, Exactly. Do what I I'm doing dice later earlier. tonight. I'm going to roll some dice, play some Dungeons & Dragons, and see what happens. Instead of football, just take up Dungeons & Dragons. I think that's what Joe's saying here. Right? That's the obvious, yes. Right? Yeah. So... Uh, not too much besides that coming out from camp quite yet. It sounds like there will be more tomorrow. A few of the beat writers said that they had some things they noticed that they wanted to write up later. Yeah. Next week, mini camp. Do, do we have, have we confirmed that at any point? No, we have not. I think it's mini camp next week. I think that's what Kat told us when she was on the podcast. Yeah, they've got that, and then a couple, and then a little break, right before uh, we actually get into training camp. Right. Also on Twitter today was a clip of Odell Beckham Jr. winning in eleven on eleven out of the slot, or not eleven on eleven. It was sevens, seven on seven out of the slot. And I don't want to face Odell Beckham out of the slot, Joe. <laughs> I will. I I think every good receiver gets in the slot. Uh, I don't want to face Odell Beckham at all. Send him back to the NFC. You know the Browns have him for four years. You know what the Giants got for Odell Beckham? Peppers at safety. No, not Zeitler, because that was for Olivier Vernon. You can count that, I guess, if you want to, because it would only make it look better. But they drafted uh, Dexter Lawrence, the uh, run-stuffing defensive tackle in the first round for that. I just thought about that today, and I was like, Gross. Not only did I think the compensation at first wasn't that great, but you took a run-stuffing D-tackle? Okay. David Gettleman has a job in the NFL, folks. And he's going to prove us all wrong. Yeah, Dexter Lawrence for MVP. Definitely more valuable than Odo Beckham. No. Joe Speechless. Yeah. <laughs> I'm letting it roll until you say something good, Joe. Well, I just got it. I was... I got a mention on Twitter, and that's what stopped me for a second to uh, read it. I just people are going still on the uh, Carson Palmer thing, and it's interesting to see the takes you get. There are there are always going to be takes. Well, folks, Joe and I are just looking at each other, waiting for the other one of us to talk. So I think that means there's nothing else to say on this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more news and notes from the Cincinnati Bengals. And then we'll be gearing up for your mailbag. Also, I think Paul Denner is doing a mailbag at The Athletic. He might not be taking any questions anymore, but I sent him some questions that if we get some answers to, we'll talk about uh, as soon as that's published. So looking forward to that one. But that'll do it for us. As always, find us on the Himalaya Podcast app. Find other podcasts you might like too. Shout out to the Who Day UK podcast. That's right. Zach Taylor on. I said, I'm going to listen to that. Zach Taylor. Yeah, that's a pretty big fish. Anyway, until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. We'll see you next time on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.